Blog Talk Radio. Don't touch me. I'll beat your brains out. I mean, you can take a knee and try a 56-yard field goal. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Let's get ready to rumble. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Gypsy. There's no one like me. I'm from Nairclaw. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. I think that the NFL knows what Randy Moss has done with marijuana, and I think the NFL knows what Randy Moss does with marijuana. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Good morning, and thank you for joining me. Top of the morning. Those of you already on Facebook Live, the millions, obviously, listening around the world on Blog Talk. Now, live from Hollywood, California, this is Tough Love, and I'm Alistair Conrad on a special Tuesday night edition of Tough Love, a little NFL recap, Vikings, Eagles style, uh, and you know what, I might hit on some others too, I don't know. Those of you seriously in Facebook, uh, uh, good to have you. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like I mentioned last week, the first time I, I did this, you know, it's always a different crew on Monday night who, who watch, or Tuesday night instead of the people who watch on Sunday morning. Uh, so I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Let's uh, get after it. Um, first things first, you know, the Vikings, it's interesting, right? They beat Philly, and, uh, you know, like I mentioned Sunday morning, I didn't expect that to happen. Uh, you know, the Vikings coming off that tough loss in here in Los Angeles, b and I just, I don't know, I, you know, I mean, what, what, what was I supposed to do? Say, oh, yeah, Vikings are easily going to go to the Super Bowl champs' house, even though they're not playing well in a rematch of what was last year's NFC Championship game, losing at home to arguably the worst team in the league at the time in Buffalo, which still may be, going and losing to the Rams, and then, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to feel confident about going to Philadelphia and and playing and winning that game. Um, I, You know, I, I'm, it's, it's a huge relief to win that game. The Vikings were looking at 1-3-1 and one, going into a home game against Arizona and then on the road against Detroit, who all of a sudden can only beat good teams and lose to the shitty one. So, you know, I mean, the Vikings could have been in a very position. And quite honestly, with that dud against Buffalo, how are you not to sit there and, you know, Expect, not to expect the worst. Therefore, that's why even with the win on Sunday, because of that Buffalo game, I'm still not convinced that the Vikings have got it together. If they would have beaten Buffalo, 
Philly, like they should have, and lost yesterday to Philly. Going into Arizona, I would feel much more confident because, oh, well, we lost to the Rams, arguably the best team in the league. We lose at Philly, you know, the, the reigning Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champ. You know, those two losses would not have been that big of a surprise. If we would have taken care of business against Buffalo, now you reverse those two. And I don't feel that confident, even with the win on Sunday, on Sunday against Arizona. This is a perfect storm, again, for a Vikings team to overlook what is, you know, visually a bad Arizona team. But guess what? All of a sudden, Arizona has won a couple. No, I'm sorry, they've won one. But they beat a horrible San Francisco team on the road, right? Josh Rosen, has just like Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, has breathed life into that team. They, Arizona knew they weren't going anywhere with Sam Bradford, just like Cleveland knew they weren't going anywhere with Tyrod Taylor. Baker Mayfield comes in. Guess what? Cleveland's two and three. They've got two wins for the first time since Christ Carpenter. And Arizona, even though Josh Rosen went 10 of 25, and anything but convincing in his, you know, in his debut, David Johnson all of a sudden got two touchdowns. The defense, the defense, think about this stat, by the way. The defense for Arizona had 14 tackles for losses. I don't know if that's a record, but it should be. Think about that. That's insane. Is that my brother, by the way, on here or no? Anyway, so therefore, I'm, I'm not like, oh, wow, we're just going to go and house Arizona, especially being at home. You know, because of that dud against Buffalo, it, it obviously caused for concern. There was some – Kirk Cousins, by the way, especially, right? Pretty sure Browns are 2-2-1. Two, two and one. I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. They are because they tied Cleveland in that first game. Uh, I think they're tied with Cleveland 2-2-1, two, two and one, like the Vikings, like the Packers, 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Um, Everybody who's tied has won two and lost two on top of that. Chip? Chip! But it, as far as Kirk Cousins go, especially what Case Keenum <laughs> is doing in in Denver right now and laying a huge egg, right? Along with Kirk Cousins making some of the most amazing throws, right? Like, I'm a believer in Kirk Cousins. I am a fan. I am sign me up. I wasn't. I am the first to admit that on this show, when the signing happened of Kirk Cousins, Cousins, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled, to say the least. I, you know, I mean, the guy's proven he can toss it around. He's had three straight 4,000-yard seasons, 25 touchdown passes, one of three quarterbacks to do that the last three years. Even with that, that was a lot of money to give a dude who never won a playoff game, albeit the people around you matter more than, in football than anything. Um, but Kirk Cousins, 
is making passes that are like Hall of Fame type of passes. The guy is dropping dimes on a weekly basis, and I am a believer. Now, you know, you can only live by the path for so long. Peyton Manning only has one Super well, two Super Bowls, if you want to count the defensive gem, you know, when he was with the uh, Denver. But even as prolific, if you recall, in his second season with Denver, where he threw 50-some-odd touchdown passes, they got to the Super Bowl and got shithoused by Seattle 43-8, to if you remember. Passing the football only goes so far, especially come January, when it's cold outside, and defense in a run game matters. I don't know why the Vikings running game is as shitty as it is. Coming out of preseason, I said it on this show, everybody basically was talking about how, well, you know what? The Vikings obviously are going to be a running football team, and, you know, Kirk Cousins hopefully will make the passes. You know, Kirk Cousins is on pace to throw for 5,400 yards. Like, think about that. Delvin Cook didn't even play. He's still at 98 yards. Latavius Murray, ho-hum, 11 for 42. I mean, you know, Stephon Diggs was the next, you know, highest rusher. The Vikings, I just don't know if they can continue this recipe. I don't know if they can do it or not. Uh, You know, to ask Kirk Cousins to come through in and week out, tossing for 300 plus, is a lot to ask of a dude. You know, I mean, especially with an offensive line that isn't, you know, doing very well up through Sunday or up before the game, Vikings had let up 25 more quarterback pressures than the next closest team in the NFL. Think about that. So Kirk Cousins is doing all of this under the most pressure in the league on top of it. So, I, you know, I mean, defensively, they stepped up. And keep in mind, it reminded me a lot, and Ryan, I'll get to your question in a sec, but it, it's funny. The game reminded me a lot of the Vikings and Saints playoff game last year in the sense that Vikings controlled the game. You know, once they got Linval Joseph's defensive touchdown, they got another three and out. They get the touchdown from Thielen to close out the half. They're up 17-3. to three. They add on a Bailey extra pull or a field goal to go up 20-3, to three, just like we were up on the Saints. And then, you know, I don't know if it was prevent or bad offensive play calling. Whatever the case was, the Vikings went into chill mode. And here comes Philly coming back. And almost... You know, I mean, it felt as though the Vikings always were in control. I will admit I shut the game off once that roughing the pat or roughing penalty on Zendejo was called. I left the bar. I can't take the NFL to a degree much anymore. We're all Vikings fans here. Most of you watching, that call on Michael Bennett for roughing the passer is 
horrible, absolutely terrible. I hate Philadelphia. I hate its fans. I hate the city. They're terrible. But you, that was a horrible call on Michael Bennett. And then, you know, I mean, that, which could have obviously changed the dynamic of that game, too, because the Vikings got the first, they went down, blah, blah, blah. And then Sandejo is roughing in the, you know, on the, on the final touchdown drive by Philadelphia, too. So here's the thing. Also, harken back to 1998, if you will. I know it's very difficult for Vikings fans to think about this, especially in the game that I'm going to mention. But the NFC Championship loss to the Falcons, Gary Anderson, perfect on the season, obviously had that 38-yarder to, yeah, let's not ice it, but definitely put the Vikings up by two scores and ultimately ice it. Dan Bailey, when he set up for that 52-yarder on Sunday, that's all I could think about, to put us up by two scores and basically ice it, you know, for the most part, Philly went down and scored, but the, the first thing I thought of is, especially with him missing those two kicks in the, you know, in the game, you know, during the game. Oh, God, I got a call. Dang it. I'm so sorry. I, I forget to look at this screen. I'll take the call. You're on, you're on tough love. Who am I talking to? How are you doing? My name's David. Thanks for my call. David, what's going on, man? I don't know if uh, you guys can hear it on Facebook Live or not, but uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's all good. What's going on, man? What do you got? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you a question. Um, I used to be a big Viking fan, and I used to, you know, follow the NFL a lot. And I just came to realize that, don't you ever realize sometimes this is all just a bunch of vanity? Like, it's really nothing at the end of the day. Hold on a sec. Do I realize it's all just a what? It's all just vanity. Like, you know, I had all these friends from Philadelphia last year, and they were so happy about the Super Bowl win, and the whole city went crazy. And then now you look at the Eagles now, they're struggling, and it's like, what, what does it even mean anything? It's just a bunch of – it's nothing, really, when you think about it. Like, if the Vikings no, won the Super Bowl, like, and then the next year they're bad again, I mean, what does it ultimately mean? It's just meaningless. I'm, I, you know what? I'm telling you right now. I mean, I 100% agree with you. David uh, is calling in, and he basically says, you know, why do we watch for the most part? To a degree of, you know, being it's, it's vanity, you're hanging your hopes on, a, on a, a game that you have zero influence in whatsoever. Absolutely zero influence. And so he has a point, and it's funny you bring that up because I have said it a lot on this show because in my younger days, I used to get bent. I'm talking bent if the Vikings lost or if my, you know, if my team didn't do what I wanted it to do, uh, and I'd get upset. And, they, you know, over time, I realized I don't have a horse in the race, even though you know, and again, think we're going to, you know, we're going philosophical here, but at the same time, it's like, just because I'm from Minnesota, why am I so prideful to be from Minnesota? You know, I mean, it's funny. You're, Dave, you're the only one, that, you know, that's ever called and has ever actually put a, a spin like this on the show, but it's something that I, it resonates with me because even though I'm 
was born and raised a football, you know, fanatic, if you will, I still understand that it's it's just like, you know, anything else in life that you have absolutely no power over, but you let yourself get upset about. Politics is something like that. Religion is something like that. We all, for whatever reason, let ourselves get affected by something we don't have any any play over whatsoever. So yeah, I get it, Dave. I understand one hundred percent. You know, especially to sit there and brag. You know, think about being a Patriots fan. You know what I'm saying? Like all you know is winning if you're like twenty five years old and a Patriots fan, right? So to sit there and think like, oh, we're the best, we're awesome, like it's like You haven't done shit. Tom Brady is awesome. Bill Belichick is awesome. Like, we all sit there and live vicariously through the sport, be it football, soccer, rugby, you know, baseball, basketball, whatever the case is. That's that's the, the rub. That's the thing that people don't understand, and they get so mad. They get, you know, like, they fight over this type of stuff. It's amazing. And so I, Dave has a point. There's no doubt about it. You know, and it's funny. It's just, it, I don't know what it is about humans. I don't know. You know, we all just, you know, I, it's, if I want to get real weird about it, I can really equate my football love to a brainwashing just like somebody with religion, somebody who's racist, you know, because nobody like, you know, Daniel Tosh says, nobody comes out of the womb being a racist, you know, or, or religious. Those are taught behaviors. I was taught because my dad coached football, my uncle coached football, that it was, you know, this is just my life. And that's just what I understood, you know. And Mo, you're right, on Facebook Live, Mo's like, soccer is life in most parts of the world. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And in, in, in quite honestly, in the rest of the world outside of the U.S., soccer is people will like, look at soccer stadiums around the world. It's, it's insane, you know? So, I mean, and uh, Dave, are you back with me? Yeah, sorry about that. No, I heard it. So. I was just going to add. Know, so I, mean, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You were going to say something? No, no, no. Add on to it. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think what a lot of it is, and you brought up the point of soccer around the world, and it's just it's just that people, because they, because people stop believing in God as much or stop following religion the way they used to, sports has become the new religion of today. And the reality is for most people, sports is their God. Like they worship these teams, they worship these players, they treat them like gods, you know. It's, it's absolutely sick. And that's really what it comes yeah, down to. Is that people no, choose something to worship. And the and these NFL players are definitely the last people on earth you should put on that level in your life. That's unbelievable. <laughs> these are a bunch of millionaires who the majority of them are doing all type of drugs, sleeping with prostitutes every single day of the week. I mean, treat, oh, acting in a way on, that you would be totally ashamed. You know, keep in mind, 
time, like just like everything in society, for the for most part, it's always the small percentage that that make the biggest ruckus. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, and and I'm not, I'm not. No, it, it's the majority of them. It's definitely the majority. Well, it's the minority you know that what? are the good I, guys that do the right thing. They're the small percentage yeah. when it comes to the NFL. Well, you don't know that. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, work oh, a, I know that. Believe me, I know well, that. I, I, growing up, like I, I'm, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis, so we used to the program I used to be in when I was younger. We used to go down to the Vikings training center all the time, and we would meet the, you know, the Viking players, and we would see them out in the neighborhood where we lived at. And I, I saw what these guys were like, man. These guys were definitely yeah, not boys, guys, I, that's for sure. Well, yeah, but the, you know what? Keep in mind. You know, a lot of people forget, and and we will never understand what it is to be a professional athlete. You know, it's like when when Tiger Woods got busted cheating on his wife, and everybody says, "Oh my God, how could he? How could he cheat on Ellen? She's beautiful." Blah blah blah. But just like Bill Burr, the comedian, says, he says, "No, none of us ever will understand what it's like." to walk out the 18th tee and have a harem of whores just waiting for you. And you've got the world by its tail. You've got millions of dollars. I'm telling you right now, I'm not a, I'm a, I feel like I'm a good person. The people who know me, who are, you know, who are on here and watch this, I think they know I'm a good person. I definitely have, you know, I'm not perfect. And I definitely love to have fun. I'm single, and let me tell you right now, if I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't beat a woman by any means, but millions of dollars, I might, I might go to a strip club. <laughs> I don't have a million dollars, and I've gone to strip clubs. I mean, you know, so it's like there's, there's, there's things that are just accepted, you know, like, yeah, whatever, you know, but when it comes to, like, you know, beating on a woman, yeah, that's not good. But to sit there and say every football player, you know, or not every, but the majority of them do that, I don't think that's fair. And don't talk to a guy who is, never really stands up for, you know, the football players because they're not the, the smartest. I just love watching them play the sport that I love. And, it, you know, most times – Often than not, they let me down. But why? Because the media grabs on to the, you know, to the one instance and is like, ah, you know. Meanwhile, the other 45 out of 53 players on the on the active roster are, for most part, doing the right thing. Yeah, are they getting together and maybe going out and, and having a couple cocktails and going to a strip club? Yeah. So what? So you know what I'm saying? Like, unless they're, you know, and you know, cheating on their wives or, or beating on them or, you know, like being a bad parent, stuff like that. I mean, I'm, again, I'm a good person. I'm a loyal friend. I, I love my family. But at the same time, I, I get down. I, like, party, you know. And it's, uh, you know, I don't look at – there's a but, lot but, of things that I – But do you, think that, that, that it's, you think that it's good for a grown man to worship another human being like that? Because I've seen well, that when, okay. I, when I used to go to these football stadiums, you used to see grown men worshiping oh, yeah. these people. Yeah. No, and I don't. You know, but keep in mind that that is the, there's so many different things. I live in Los Angeles, Hollywood, 
to be exact, right? And the, the TMZ bus is packed every single day. There is a line waiting to get on that TMZ bus every single day because for whatever reason, people idolize movie stars. They idolize the Kardashians. They idolize people with a lot of money and a lot of fame. And that is something that as a society, we've done for years, for years. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right because, you know, the whole cliche, we all put our pants on the same way, blah, blah, blah. But because the media sensationalizes things the way that they do, there's a lot of people who just aren't smart enough to decipher it. And because I love football, you know, I mean, we still, as adults, have the opportunity to get upset, to let it go, to do whatever we want. Uh, unfortunately, on Sundays, there's a lot of booze that's involved, you know, that, that unfortunately gets into, you know, like makes people act a certain way. And, uh, you know, even the, I, I'm not saying just the drunks get overreactive. I'm sure there's sober people out there who, you know, let the game affect them too much. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it's a passionate sport. It's a masculine sport. Not, you know, but I mean, even baseball fans get bent. It's just, you know, I, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I understand exactly where you're coming from. 100%. I really do. We shouldn't, like, put these people on a pedestal. We should put teachers. We should put, you know, like, people who do good for society, you know, like, start up a nonprofit. But that's just not what we do. You know, we do, you know, admire, like, you know, I mean, I have no issue, and I've said it a thousand times. I'm not going to, like, you know, do anything crazy, but it's like, I appreciate Tom Brady. I appreciate Aaron Rodgers. I love watching them play. I don't idolize them. You know, I mean, would it be cool to be Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah! I think, you know, <laughs> Ryan says mechanic. <laughs> I love it. You know, I mean, hey, I would love to be Tom Brady, all right? But keep in mind, I only have three and a half minutes left, but this is something, this is the biggest thing that people in our society, in the world, don't understand, and that is luck. 5'9", 170 on a good day. You know, like, I, LeBron James is 6'8", 250. What if LeBron James was... 5'8", and 150. We wouldn't know who LeBron is. Like, the simple fact of luck. Like, look at models. Like, they're just born lucky. They're just beautiful people. They don't bring anything to the table. You know, Tom Brady's 6'4". What if he was 5'4"? We wouldn't think about Tom Brady. But that's one thing that people just never think about is the simplicity of luck in the human life and just being, like, good-looking or, or, you know, like, being born with all your limbs. It's just it's something that is so simple yet overlooked. And that is something that, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan was 6'6". Kobe Bryant, 6'6". What if they were 5'6"? You know, so there's certain things that just play into 
life and 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 us getting all wrapped up. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, but the, you know, somebody on Facebook said Drew Brees is shorter. Yes, but that is that is not the norm. That is that is you know, Drew Brees is special, and he had to fight his fucking ass off to get what he had because of his height deficiency. You know, like Muggsy Bogues in the NBA, that doesn't happen all the time. You know, and again, put it this way. This, models are the easiest explanation for what I'm trying to say. In our society, you know, like Emily Ratajkowski, you know, in my opinion, the hottest chick on the planet, best body I've ever seen. But she's lucky. She didn't do shit to have that. She was born that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, she could have been born with a cleft lip, and nobody would know Emily Ratajkowski. It's just there's it's the things like that. I don't, I don't get wrapped up in it anymore because I'm older. You know, and I just understand now how the world works. But, you know, like, those are the things that simpletons in society, the sheep in society, don't even think about. And they get wrapped up in, like, oh, the Kardashians. There's a billboard of one of them, Kylie or something like that her name is. This girl hasn't done shit, nothing, except like be the sister of a famous chick who sucked a dick to get famous. Like, our society is terrible. It's horrible. And, yes, we idolize, like, woman beaters because they can catch a touchdown pass. It's fascinating. Ten seconds, Dave. Thank you so much for the call. I gotta go. Those of you on Facebook Live, I'll be with you for a second or so. On Blog Talk Radio, I gotta go. Uh, wow, I wasn't expecting that, but how fun was that? That was great. Um, 